You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune. Coming to you the last week of the regular season, week 18, Bears Packers week. And we're coming off the Bears' big victory Sunday, the last day of 2023, 37-17 route over the Atlanta Falcons, Dan. And Justin Fields played as well as he ever has in a game, I believe. The Bears' defense had four more takeaways. It felt like after the fifth straight victory at Soldier Field for the Bears that the arrow's definitely pointing up a lot of momentum this week at House Hall. David, you and I spent a lot of time in recent weeks talking about the rankings of Justin Fields' 35 career starts that he started. Uh, this was number 37 against the Falcons, and I went back and looked, and I think I would probably slot it in at number three overall, behind only the game against the Commanders earlier this year and the uh, explosion against the Miami Dolphins a year ago. Uh, that tells you how how crisp it was. You go back through that that game tape, and there's not a lot to nitpick at all if this was the norm we would have zero discussion in chicago justin played with great command great control through beautiful deep balls to dj moore uh one to tyler scott that wasn't completed the touchdown pass to dj moore terrific the 13 yard scramble on third and eight is going to be permanently etched into the justin fields highlight montage it was truly uh an impressive performance in uh, his last home game at soldier field of 2023 is it his last home game as a Chicago Bear permanently? We'll find out, but certainly a, a fun way to go out this year. 20 of 32, 268 with one touchdown, was not intercepted, protected the football once again, sacked three times, passer rating 99.5. And Dan, he had a first half. You started to wonder if this was going to be a career high passer rating. It yeah. was that kind of start and that kind of day. The Bears offense did what it needed to do, took advantage of a Falcon defense that came in 
with good numbers in terms of scoring defense, but I don't know what they were thinking. He had no Cole Komet. They had no uh, Darnell Mooney. And they played D.J. Moore, a lot man coverage. And D.J. Moore took advantage, nine catches, 159 yards, 13 targets. The Bears recognized where to exploit the Falcon defense and took advantage of that man coverage. This is the first time the Falcons had a chance to see D.J. Moore. Uh, Oh, wait, no, he spent the entire first part of his career in the NFC South. So I don't know how they were asleep at the wheel, David, in trying to figure out coverage for D.J. Moore because they know how dangerous he can be, and yet they still allowed him to run in single coverage and man-to-man coverage. For much of the afternoon, you saw some of those over-the-middle throws where Justin didn't even really need to read much. He just saw that DJ had a little bit of separation and, and, and threw it on him. And sometimes, as a starting quarterback, it should be that easy. You find your best player, you see that he's uh, NFL open, and you throw him the football. And it resulted in a, a huge uh, production day for, for both players. I, again, I go back to the touchdown early in the game, and it's a really nice concept that the Bears had in the playbook. Uh, again, really... Uh, Great that they were able to score 37 points with a, a such a limiting offensive coordinator that they have, but I digress on that. But the touchdown pass, <laughs> DJ runs a really nice route. And the one thing that is subtle on that play, D- Justin throws an absolute dime to the bullseye. But DJ is late with his hands in a way that keeps Jesse Bates from making a play on the ball or making a play on his hands. And it was just such a, a subtle nuance of receiver excellence that you should watch and you should appreciate. I, I, I've for years said that having the opportunity to watch Devontae Adams in this division was like watching wide receiver porn. Well, DJ Moore might be on that list of, of guys that you just can't stop watching because it's just it, it's it's brilliant stuff. Uh, and that was certainly the case in a, a performance uh, Sunday that that is now bolstering career highs in most of his statistical production. 1,300 yards receiving, 92 catches. He's on his way. I think if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, that, that that's kind of a farce. He would be uh, at the top of the list of snubs. He's got to, I think, make the Pro Bowl, given the numbers he's put together in his first year as a Bear. Wednesday, yeah. Pro Bowl announcements. So that that will be you know something to keep an eye on. He also has been you know really a supportive, good teammate to the point where he bought cigars for everybody after yeah. the game. So he walked into the Bears locker room, and boy, did it smell of cigar smoke. They had lit up and violated city ordinance and code by lighting up inside the locker room. But who cares? Because they were celebrating, I suppose, a fifth straight victory, I suppose, New Year's Eve. But yeah, yeah, DJ Moore sprung for cigars because that's what he does. Yeah. Well, first of all, Brad Biggs missed a golden opportunity to have a longer thought in 10 thoughts about uh, the brand of cigar they had in the locker room, whether it was up to his standard. You know, Brad likes to uh, likes to, to light one up periodically. Walking in that locker room initially, you're like, what the heck is this? Why, why is there smoke in the air? And then you kind of get the description from a very jubilant cast of players in that locker room. And, and look, like, you know me, I'm normally the the pump the brakes, like slow down on, on all the celebratory stuff until you have something meaningful to celebrate. But given that it was New Year's Eve, given that this team feels like it is truly uh, – experienced a breakthrough in the last seven or eight weeks with the way they've played, with the way they've stayed together, with the way they've uh, navigated through turbulence. It, it, it was, I was all for it. I was okay for the vibes, the festive vibes on that day um, in particular. And you just, you, you felt something in that locker room that was echoed in the voices of those players, David, where I think Cole Komet might've said it best where he said, you, you see where this is headed and then elaborated in saying we have, legitimate pieces and we have a really good football team coming together and I couldn't have said that in the past and I can't disagree with them I can't either and I think that's uh, 
why I want to at least briefly touch on some of the defensive things that happened uh, on Sunday. We'll get to the Justin Fields conversation. We'll get to the Matt Eberflus update and all that. But I think with defense, obviously, we talk about the Montez Sweat effect. And we look mm-hmm. at, you know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is getting the big money at the middle linebacker spot. We know all that Eddie Jackson brings in terms of being a veteran at free safety. But, Dan, I, I think when you look at Sunday was a reminder, too, just how how productive this rookie class has been and just how many young players in the first and second years the Bears have, to your point, uh, as, as part of a, this core. Maybe it's a defensive core, but it's a core of players that you can count on. You think you can count on. Tyreek Stevenson had two interceptions. Javon Dexter had two more sacks. He's been very good the last six weeks or so. Uh, you look at you know the uh, offensive uh, rookie contributions of Roshan Johnson and certainly Darnell Wright. This has been a very productive rookie class, and you pair that with some of the guys you consider veterans by now. Kyler Gordon had a pick. Jaquan Brisker, you have an expectation about the level of play he's going to provide each and every week. You're right when you say that. The Bears have a lot to feel good about in terms of their young talent, and if they keep it together, they feel like they can do some special things. Well, on game day, part of the the crux of my column for ChicagoTribune.com was just how – this sets up a stage for a really, really meaningful 2024. And and you can feel good about saying that as they go into this because of the things you mentioned defensively, they are playing well in every phase and across all three levels. Can't dispute anything that's going there on that side of the ball. Uh, It was a long time uh, before, you know, between games when they were able to create multiple takeaways. Well, now you're getting three interceptions almost every week. You got four on Sunday against Taylor Heineke and another one, uh, the fourth one actually coming from Desmond Ritter. But you see the things that you mentioned. Tyreek Stevenson, a guy that I've raved about since the summer in terms of the, the competitive tenacity and really is his kind of underrated understanding of the game. That one pick where he sinks in coverage and and and, and just plays it perfectly and 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 you know has that John Hoke teaching uh and the Jalen Johnson teaching to, to to take that ball away. Great play. Kyler Gordon. How many times in this podcast have we talked about him after a game where we say, man, that dude just he plays the game the right way. So that defense is in great shape. The offense puts up 37, the second highest scoring output of the season. And in a way where you just felt like they controlled the entire football game. Now, yeah, there was a tense moment at the end of the first half when Cairo Santos's 55 yard field goal dropped a couple yards short in the north end zone. And for a minute you went, uh oh, you know, this is out of the gates and D. Alford's going to make this game a, a game again. But th- it was just a complete phase uh, victory by the Bears. And, and when you see that, when you feel the contributions they're getting from so many different guys, you understand why internally there is the level of optimism that there is right now at Hallis Hall. Before we turn to the Fields conversation, Pro Bowl members, do you think, will be uh, from the Bears? Pro Bowl team, DJ Moore, Montez Sweat, Cairo Santos? Or Certainly. You- I mean, those guys will be in consideration. Look, like Cairo's going to have a, a, a tough uh, case to make with the way that Brandon Aubrey has kicked for the Cowboys this year. The other thing you have to realize every year in Pro Bowl voting is that when you're a team that has spent most of the year near the bottom of the standings, that you don't get the love that the teams in first right. place get. The year that the Bears sent seven guys to Orlando for the Pro Bowl was the year they won the division, you know, five years ago. 
Um, you have an opportunity here to make that case. Montez Sweat certainly deserving. Uh, DJ Moore will be in a, a discussion at a you know a loaded receiver position in the NFC. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But those guys have certainly had worthy seasons, in my opinion. Jalen Johnson would be another guy that you would want to consider. Uh, he left Sunday's game with a shoulder injury. His availability for Sunday will be worth monitoring as this week goes along. Um, but yeah, that's that's the top of the list there for uh, for guys that have played at a high level this year. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Justin Fields, you said played probably the third best game of his career. I think you could make the argument that because he won, it was among maybe his top one or two because of how sharp he was and throwing the ball, especially early. Uh, the escapability was there. The special was there. All those things. I wonder how much did it, how far did it go, do you think, into affecting his status? How did it change the minds of anybody at House Hall who's in a decision-making role and you think it will, despite the emotion that's obvious, the chance from the fans and the stands and, and maybe some people in the media still clamoring for him to stay. Do you think that Justin Fields' performance against the Falcons will affect the decision on his long-term uh, status at, as a bear? I would hope that Ryan Poles wouldn't be a uh, prisoner of the moment when he's making decisions of this magnitude with the stakes that are here in in this particular decision you have to view the comprehensive body of work you have to ask yourself the question is this the quarterback i see becoming the engine of eight or more playoff runs is this a quarterback who is significantly better than the options that are going to be available to us in the 2024 draft class now look like there are things that you have to also weigh when you're having those discussions at house hall and that's the known and and some of the known with justin fields is impressive we've talked previously on this podcast about the guy's thick skin and how his ability to ride the qb1 roller coaster with the level of grace and equanimity that he does is truly elite in that regard the way his teammates feel about him is significant those are all things that you have to factor in when you have this meaty discussion inside house hall but ultimately, it's much bigger than one game. It's certainly much bigger than one late December game against a sub-500 opponent. You know, um, So, look, like that, it, 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 will it have some influence on Ryan Poles' thought process? Perhaps. Should it be a, a huge, huge uh, weight? 
given to that performance on Sunday? Probably not. Just just given what we know, what we've seen, uh, strengths, limitations, all those things encompassed. The key, and I don't know if you want to get into this right now, but I, I think one thing that's really cool here is that win coupled with what happened everywhere else in the league sets up a season finale at Green Bay that has a really appealing amount of theater to it, a really appealing amount of oomph, I guess, to the game. It's not just another write-off week 18 season finale game in Green Bay. The Packers are trying to get into the playoffs. The Bears are going on the road to face a team that beat them by 18 points to start the season. The Bears are surging after winning five of their last seven and truly feeling like they want to put an exclamation point on the season. And so for a last-place team that doesn't have anything on the line Sunday, I don't think you could ask for a better season finale to, to maybe help answer some of the questions that you're asking. And I don't want to be put in a position where you have one game that's going to decide the future of either Justin Fields, the offensive coordinator, or the or the head coach. I, I don't know if it's that's the right way to approach it, but it does feel that big because of what, because of who's it against, um, the stakes of knocking the Packers out of the playoffs. And I know some people may look at it that way. You know, Justin Fields, if he has another game like he did on Sunday against the Falcons, people will wake up Monday morning, you know, wanting him to stay forever. And they'll be wanting uh, Ryan Poles' job if he doesn't go that direction because that's recency bias, that's emotion, that's your heart leading with over your head. And, and you know, maybe um, maybe that is taking the what you said, the knowns over the unknowns. And so that would be – that would be uh, a, a, an unusual spot to be in because – or uncomfortable spot, but it'd be a great spot because you you don't you don't think you have a bad outcome either. You use the number one pick, which the Panthers clinched for you last Sunday, and you take a quarterback that you think is even more special than the one you have, yeah. or you reinvest faith, hope, and money into the quarterback you have because you think that he's shown you enough in the final seven games. Uh, that closing statement that we always talked about was convincing enough to keep him in town. And then you trade for a King's Ransom and you you stock your roster with more talent. Either outcome, it's, be, it's like choosing between good or better well, and or good or great. Th- that's it. And so I, I guess I'll give a little tease here uh, on this episode of the podcast. I've got a piece coming, two-part installment later in the week, talking to people around the league who are intrigued by the Bears' current situation. And and the word fascinating has come up more than once in conversations that I've had with executives around the NFL who are looking at this from afar and going, boy, they've got some huge decisions to make, but the options are terrific. You know, and I had one GM tell me uh, this week, David, that, that like whatever path they choose, you're going to feel good about it because, because it's not like, Oh, we're picking between the lesser of two evils. You're picking between two pretty appealing options. And so that's why I think we've tried to say for a month or longer now that the bears are on the doorstep of a potential paradise. If they play their cards, right. And they, and they do all, they make all these steps in a way that sets themselves up for long-term success. This is, this is a terrific time in bears history for them to capitalize on opportunity. I'll circle that back to the green Bay game here coming up on Sunday at Lambeau field. We've talked about players and teams meeting moments. Well, this is a moment to be met, you know, it's not a small moment. And so it is a test of how do you do when there is something that you want to go after, you know, and, and, and how do you fare when you have that uh, within your reach? And so for Justin Fields, for the offense, for the defense, for Matt Aberflus, this is going to be a chance to, to show how you perform in those situations, which may in fact inform your bosses on whether they should trust you to be the person that 
handles those moments in the future. So a, a lot here. I will tell you this, like walking out of the locker room Sunday, there was energy not only about the victory over the Falcons, but about the final game in Green Bay. You don't think that those players remember 38 to 20 in week one. I asked Jalen Johnson, I said, this feels kind of like the perfect finish to the season, given the way everything's gone. And he just smiled and said, oh, yeah, we on their ass. <laughs> and I thought it was a very succinct way of saying, like, we know we know what we're, we're trying to set up to do here you know, at Lambeau Field. Now let's go do it, and we'll see if the Bears can do that. Seems like a long time ago it was a different team, even though a lot of the starters were healthy then. They started breaking down after that game, but the Bears were not prepared to start the season. And now as we prepare to end it, they're in a much different spot and they're a much different team. I would only say this as far as the the options the Bears will, you know, have – once Monday arrives and the offseason begins and you're Ryan Poles, you think, hey, what, what direction do I go? And he gets all kinds of advice. There, I, there is no bad outcome. And that's what makes me, and I'm not surprised, but a quick aside, I, I don't know why there is such rancor <laughs> in the debate between whether the Bears should stick with Justin Fields or, in their minds, try to go for a better quarterback if they draft Caleb Williams. You can have your opinions about Caleb Williams, but – Ryan Poles, frankly, in, in two seasons on the job with, with this roster, kind of has earned the benefit of the doubt right now. I, I don't think he's immune to making another uh, making mistakes, but if he decides he wants to move on from Justin Fields, I would think that the fan base would get behind that, but I don't think they're going to. The, the <laughs> amount of support for Justin Fields has been much louder uh, and much, much more uh, obvious than I expected it to be, and I'm not just talking about at the last game, you know, we want Fields and we want Justin, those kind of chants. I, I do think that it's resonated, uh, and not just on talk radio, but I think it's something that I don't think will affect the decision-making process, but I'm not 100% certain that it won't because when you hear from the fans, when you're hearing from players, key players, about what he means to that locker room, what he means to that franchise, that can be fairly persuasive if you let it be. Nice use of the word rancor. <laughs> and I think a lot of that rancor is uh, stimulated and exacerbated by social media, which does not allow for uh, level-headed measured debate. And then it ends up being a vacuum that sucks everyone into it. And it just becomes crazier and more complicated than it needs to be. I think that there are some very significant positive traits that we've highlighted significantly over the year that Justin brings to the table. And there are things that as a starting quarterback in the NFL, you want your guy to have, you know, that ability to reset quickly, that ability to have the respect of teammates, the willingness to put in every last ounce of work that's needed to improve your weaknesses. Those are things that, that, that are going to be taken into account in the evaluation. Now, ultimately, again, you're, you're, you're searching for that high level upside. This will be in my piece later in the week, I, I believe on Thursday morning at ChicagoTribune.com. You have to remember also where Ryan Poles came from. And he was in Kansas City. He was handling college scouting in 2017 when that organization with, by the way, a very steady starting quarterback who was very well liked inside the locker room and Alex Smith was a division champion. And it was going to be difficult to pivot off of Alex Smith. Well, that organization decided that Patrick Mahomes was kind of the all-in uh checks all the boxes, got to have quarterback that they needed to get. And they went out and got him. And they've never thought twice about it since. And, I, you know, I had a source say to me this week, David, that like Mahomes is kind of the holy grail, you know, and like it may seem surreal and far-fetched that the Bears could, could land that 
because they've never even come close to that in their history. But it is still what you're striving for because he is that guy that unlocks a different world. And what this source said, which made me laugh out loud, is think about this. Patrick Mahomes is currently in his quote unquote down year the panic year in Kansas city. And he just won his sixth consecutive AFC West championship. That's the world you're trying to unlock where right. the, fr- the, 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 the floor for frustration and struggle is still a division championship. You know, we don't know what that's like here. I, I'm laughing out loud thinking about it now because like, that, what? What, what, what do you mean? Like, how is that possible? But that's, that's what, where the bullseye is. And Ryan has to determine whether it's Justin, that can be the key to unlock that world or whether it's a quarterback in this class, obviously Caleb Williams, the, the, the widely proclaimed number one prospect, Drake may a little bit behind that. And then maybe, you know, we've got a national championship game in college football next week that will feature Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy. Maybe they have a, a, a say in some of this as well. Michael Penix is thrown from over 4,500 yards, two seasons in a row. You know, the last college quarterback to do that. Patrick Mahomes. So he's got some special in him. He's a lefty. He's a little unorthodox, but he is explosive. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the Anthony Richardson of this year's draft and he flies up the board just because of his athleticism. He's going to be old enough and he's, he's <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> he's already 24, 25. I think he's 24 years old. Um, so he's going to have the maturity already to take over. And yeah, you're going to, there's going to be a lot, a lot of things. To, to weigh the, the two things, just two more points uh, before we move on from this. I think what Ryan Poles would be doing if, if, if they keep Justin Fields and, and trade the number one overall pick, I think uh, number one, you'd be allowing the seven game sample at the end, the seven game closing argument, if you will, to outweigh the first 30 or 30 starts or so. And you don't really often see that in the NFL. I mean, you don't often see a small sample size being used to, to make these kind of big evaluations and those outweighing the larger sample size in terms of overall experience. And, and the other thing is, is that I, I think when you look at um, the Alex Smith example is a good one because it would have been easy to, to get swept away in emotion that year and to keep go for one more title. And they didn't do that in Kansas City. And that probably left an impression on Ryan Poles. We don't know how big of an impression, but if you want to just, not just because it's Chicago, but if you want to have put together a team that's capable of winning the NFC North next year and maybe the year after that and being a perennial divisional contender, keep Justin Fields, build around him and do what you need to do. I think what we're talking about and, and we're influenced by the ambitious talk of Kevin Warren since he arrived is the Bears want to take bigger swings. Yeah. And it's not asking yourself, what can we do to, to put together a divisional champion and take the North? Thanks for the title. But you want to do uh, you want to put together a roster that's good enough to win a Super Bowl and a championship. And that's what it's all about. Well, I asked one uh, current GM if that was a position where the, I guess, responsibility of swinging for the fences um, was imperative over sitting with a single or a double like you might have in Justin Fields. And his response was, they don't even need to swing for the fences. They have the bleeping number one pick. And so it's not like they even have to take a big swing. They're going to get a fastball down the middle of the plate and they just have to connect on it, right? Like you have your choice now. And I thought that was a good uh, dash of perspective there where you're not going to have to wager away a bunch of future draft capital to take this huge swing on a prospect that you truly believe in. You're, you're using 
the, the number one overall pick, which is, by the way, someone else's first round pick. You still got your own first round pick, which right now I think is, uh, is it at eight now, 10, somewhere in there and could fall as low as 13. If they eight, win. Between eight and 13 is where they'll land. So, so like, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 you, you don't have to use a ton of capital to even to even make this attempt at drafting a quarterback, which would be fascinating. Now, the flip side of that, obviously, is that other teams that might be so enamored with Caleb Williams that they want him at all costs are going to give you everything that they have to stockpile your team with. And, and if you say, yeah, Justin's good enough to to be the guy that we roll forward with with a stacked roster, then that there, there's certainly merit to that, you know, and, and like, I, again, two really good options and, and a really favorable place to be sitting, which is not usually how it goes uh, in Chicago when you're trying to figure out your biggest picture items. No doubt about it. This is an ongoing conversation. I think what Justin Fields did was he made it more difficult as a decision. I don't know if it'll be much different. We'll have to wait and see, but it, it certainly gives us plenty to discuss and to write about and all that stuff. Dan, beyond the quarterback, obviously, Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, their futures, uh, sources of speculation. Uh, Matt Eberflus, report for the NFL Network. I don't know if it was a report or informed speculation or much of a surprise, but Ian Rappaport speculated that Matt Eberflus will be welcomed back and is likely to return in 2024. I don't think that after – I don't think in recent weeks that that has been in question, although it still could go the other way. What yeah. was your reaction in response to that report? Well, yeah, look, like, and and oftentimes you have to click beyond the tweet to see what the actual either video or written article says. And it was essentially that if Matt finishes strong, that the Bears are inclined to keep him, which has been the chatter now for a couple of weeks and, and obviously could be fluid. I think Ryan Poles, when asked about this publicly, uh, which at, at this stage of the season is almost exclusively on the pregame show on uh WMVP AM 1000 has, has said, look, like we'll make all those big picture decisions and evaluations when the season ends. And so he has not come out and directly said, oh yeah, there is no question that we're sticking with Matt Eberflus as our head coach. And so the first chance we'll get to ask Ryan about that will be in week 19. And you would imagine we won't even need to ask him that he will probably offer it up uh, when that time comes. And so uh, we're a week away from that now. Right. And, and it's a chance now to, to figure out which direction they decide to go. Um, it's crazy because it is married into the quarterback conversation and whether you stick with Justin or pivot to a new quarterback, maybe changes the calculus on what you want to do with your offensive oversight, right? Like there are people in the league that say, if, if you are going to stick with Justin and you are going to give him season four as a make or break year as a quarterback, then you absolutely cannot pair him with a new offensive play caller whose system he has to learn and who he has to acclimate to. And otherwise you're just repeating history all over again. And so like those, <laughs> you want to talk about a, a touch point for Chicago, those who really want Justin Fields to stay may have to get their brains wrapped around the idea that he may be staying with Luke Getze for all those aforementioned reasons. And I think that's going to make some people's brains short circuit. Now, if you want to pick a new quarterback, maybe it does open the door for you to either hire a new offensive-minded head coach or ask Matt, do you want to switch in a new direction with your offense? And if so, what is your vision for the people that can come in and oversee this new guy? Because you don't want to hand Caleb Williams over to a uh, circumstance where you, where you look back in two years and go, oh boy, we didn't think that through quite enough, which is kind of commonplace at Hellasol. 
for the sake of argument, if the Bears beat the Packers by two touchdowns Sunday at Lambeau Field, as much as that would please the McCaskies, you could see that scenario you just described taking place, that they would run it back. They would bring everybody back, finish with momentum, and use the Lions argument that they're going to carry over that success to 2024, use the draft pick for all the capital to build out the roster, and take their chances in the way that they have rebuilt this season and kind of restored some hope. That is why you can't draw any conclusions as we sit here today. That's why we continue to say it's not a cop-out, it's just reality. You don't have to make a decision until you have to make a decision. Things change all the time in the National Football League every week's a season unto itself. Well, the other part of this quarterback discussion, David, is it's not going to have the resolution that the coaching staff decision will have, which will come in, in January. This this quarterback situation could twist in the wind for months. And boy, what a gift to you who uh, hosts a morning talk show radio, morning morning radio talk show uh, five days a week. Um, but it is going to be a complex time in the world of speculation and chatter and reporting and everything else if, if that situation continues to twist the way it presumably will. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, until the Cubs sign somebody in free agency, I'm all for it. <laughs> Excuse me. Gosh, I'm, you got me all choked up. All right, so the, the Packers game for a moment, uh, the, does this – there have been a couple times in recent past, this last decade, the 10-year anniversary just passed of the Chris Conte-Randall uh, Cobb game in 2013. The Bears win and they're in. The Packers beat them. I think they went to the playoffs. And then there was one in 2020, I believe, Dan. There have been times where they have ended the season with similar stakes. Does this remind you of any season in particular? Yeah, I mean, the Bears in 2020 were in a win-and-in situation at home against the Packers, and they got their teeth kicked in and then somehow backed into the playoffs because some things went down in the NFC West that opened the door for them to steal that number seven overall seed. And that was a really weird day because it was one of the more demoralizing, discouraging performances with the season on the line, and yet they walked out of Soldier Field with with a playoff berth and a trip to New Orleans. That one is weird. The 2013 game, I, I, you know, it's a division championship game and there was so much juice in that building and there was so much juice in that building when the bears had i would they have four fourth downs that they forced the packers into on that last game winning drive and rogers converted all of them including the last one uh to randall cobb it was just it was one of those days where you just felt everything heightened i think this one this weekend will be somewhere between those two, probably to some extent. And remember, the 2021 came in an empty soldier field during the COVID season. So that juice that you feel on game day was not there. Uh, so this one will be interesting. But I, I, like I say, the, the theater of it is fun for me. And I think the significance for the, for the players and coaches of the Bears is noteworthy because they, they all understand that this would be a chance to finish with six wins in eight games, a chance to do what the Lions did last year and not only finish strong, but knock the Packers out of the playoffs. And there's always great satisfaction in doing that to that organization. And so um, exciting. It's an exciting week 18 game. And if you would uh, have told me, you know, in week nine that I'd be talking about an exciting week 18 Bears game, I would have said, uh, David, uh, you need to get your, uh, your drug test in real soon.
So it'll have some marquee value. CBS is sending its top team, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I didn't realize until looking that Tony Romo was quarterback of the Cowboys during the Matt Eberflus tenure with the Cowboys on the staff. I wonder if Tony Romo will get any good insight into what the Bears are thinking about Justin Fields or anything else, or if he'll share it with uh, his audience and he'll, you know, get it right. Or maybe he can predict the future like he does so often on third down. But I think that's an interesting little um, connection this week. And I don't know uh, if that adds more luster to the game. It is Bears Packers. It does have uh, some cachet. Uh, I'm glad that it means something. I'm glad we're not talking about whether or not Justin Fields should play or not. I like the idea that Matt Eberflew said, hey, this is a normal approach to games, oh, yeah. and you're not going to look at Week 18 any differently in terms of preserving players or trying to protect them. Yeah, well, and look, it's just it, you have to take advantage of this opportunity. And this is the type of game that if you win it and you win it in convincing fashion, it can carry for months, you know, and it can propel you into the offseason, which then becomes the chance, no matter who the quarterback is, when you start OTAs in May, your chance to, to generate momentum and keep belief going rather than trying to create it from scratch, you know, which has been the, the case in so many seasons before. And so um, fun. It should be fun. It's always a, a nice drive up there. Hopefully the weather cooperates this weekend and then we'll uh, we'll scoot back for for monday the the monday of week 19 typically eventful and then the tuesday wednesday and thursday of week 19 always unpredictable before we get out of here there's there was something i want to ask you about uh matt Eberflus when he talked to the media on new year's day and there are two things i wondered if I, i'm reading too much into it as far as tells he was asked one question about justin fields and then another question about him calling the defenses when he was asked to this, if Justin Fields was a franchise quarterback, I think that he sounded very resistant yeah. into embracing that idea. And he talked around it where I don't know that there's anything that he could have, uh, th there's nothing to lose from saying, you know, yes, he's our franchise quarterback. Yes, he's special. Yes, he's our guy. He didn't say that. So I almost heard no, because he's not tipping his hand by saying anything. You know, if you say that you love him, you're not really telling teams anything except for you love your guy which I think would carry a lot of value. So number one, did you read anything into that? And secondly, when he was asked about calling signals and he called it a passion of his, did it leave the impression to you because it did to me, if he comes back as expected, he's going to be calling defensive signals next year. All right. So question one, uh, I did not hear a yes or no in his answer about Justin being the franchise quarterback. I heard an undecided. And I think that's probably telling. And so I don't think you were reading too much into that because I think that's the general consensus around the league is that it's like, a, would you check the box for Justin is special or Justin isn't special? And I think a lot of people don't want to check either box yet because they're not sure. Um, so that's that's that. And that's why. Chicago has had this impassioned civic debate going on two plus years now. Uh, as far as Matt calling the defense, he certainly sounded like someone who found his comfort zone again in, in taking control of that aspect of the team and then trying to find other ways to uh, delegate and spread the responsibility around so that he doesn't have to be um, spread thin as a head coach, which you naturally are if you're calling plays, but it certainly seemed like that would be his preferred direction in 2024. If he stays as a head coach, that he would still be the defensive signal caller on the sideline. And so then you'd have to probably name a coordinator that helps you with things. Um, what happens to Phil Snow? Is there someone on staff that you can promote into a coordinator role? But it certainly seemed like, yeah, I know. You think I, I, Phil Snow's AI. He's AI generated. I, I <laughs> I, I'm not convinced he exists. 
I, I just have never seen them on on campus, on site, on the premises. Of of all of the, the modern day conspiracy theories in the sporting world in the NFL, Phil Snow isn't real from David Hawes. One of the one of the ones I couldn't have predicted. I, I just, this season I've never seen him. I, I think it's Bruce. I just do. Is there is there some like if you rearrange the letters in Phil Snow, does it does it? I'm gonna work on that. Like who slip or something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that because I think it's just a convenient way to take away, deflect the scrutiny and and the criticism. Well, we'll get this 68 year old guy, this fictional character, and we'll insert it. Like they got a screenplay writer or screenwriter, and and he's he fits the bill. But I. I I hope he's okay. By the way, before we get out of here, I have to ask you this because this is very important. On Friday morning, I sat in for you with Zach Zaidman on the Mullion Hall show. And I played the always popular pick six game that you guys use to start the six o'clock hour on your show. One of the questions in pick six, David, was who will the Bears starting quarterback be on week one of 2024? I have gotten flack in the past for dodging those questions or not wanting the my answer to them to get blown out of proportion or whatever. I said, I'm not going to do that. It's six in the morning. We're going to have fun. It's Friday morning. I set my alarm for 350. We're going to have fun this morning. And so I gave an answer, right? Pick six. It's a sports talk radio bit. If you're not familiar, it's just a little, little fun in the morning. Free on your odyssey up six, seven score.com. <laughs> and so my answer was that the bears would indeed pivot off of Justin Fields. They would indeed go into the draft and draft the quarterback. And in order to lengthen the runway, for that quarterback, they will do as they have done in the past with Andy Dalton and Mike Glennon and Cordell Stewart, and they will have a veteran in here. And not only did I say that they have a veteran here, I just went through the free agent list of 2024 NFL quarterbacks. And I said, Jacoby Brissett will be the, the starting quarterback. People took this as if I was reporting that Jacoby Brissett was their preferred option as the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I have at least two followers on Twitter who are coming at me daily, attacking me for saying Jacoby Brissett would be the week one starter. I'm just playing a little game, a sports talk radio game in the morning on a Friday. Like, lighten up. Go find something else you can do for a couple hours. Decompress. Get out of the cauldron that is Bears social media right now and stop turning every little comment about the team into some, like, crazy thing. I'm just wondering what you think as a uh, host of that show and somebody that's put in that position every single morning. Well, I love it because now I'm going to go back and listen <laughs> to the rewind because I was sleeping in. Good. Secondly, you were hosting and you did a great job from what I hear, uh, what I heard of the show too, with Zach Zabin. And compared to Zach, your take on Justin Fields is positively optimistic and glass half full. Um, you are the positive one in that discussion. And, and the last thing is, I, I believe that... Um, that's a really good answer because it suggests that it's compelling. We try to use that, you know, 25-minute segment to get through the topics of the day and to give people something to think about, and that's something to think about. If you pivot from Justin Fields, we're assuming that Caleb Williams is going to be ready from day one. Maybe the Bears don't want to do that. They want to slow his growth and development, and if they did that, Jacoby Brissett is the kind of veteran quarterback you would insert. I'm just mad that I didn't think of it first. I'm not saying that that is going to be the preferred option. I am saying that if Jacoby Brissett signs a contract with the Bears in the offseason, you better bet that my social media feed is going to be insufferable for half of a day because those people are going to get it, but I I digress. Yeah, I I, I don't think that's that's crazy, I, and, and you know, that's a pretty, you know, when Dustin Rhodes is involved in pick six, 
that kind of take that you just offered of, of yours and Jacoby Brissett, it's kind of tamed by comparison. So I wouldn't worry about um, getting too far over your skis during pick six. It's a fun just, it's Perpetuate fun that for the next five or six months. Just keep his name right. in, the, in the kitty and circulate it and see how uh, see how far we can take this thing. Cool. Anything else we've, we overlooked or forgot? No, I will just say this, that Justin Fields sharing in the postgame on Sunday that DJ Moore showed up to an off-season workout with a cigar in his mouth, balled out, had a productive workout, and then got back in his truck and put the cigar back in his mouth. It was a pretty compelling anecdote on a day that reminded you that winning teams usually have a lot of compelling, fun anecdotes to share. And DJ Moore on the Mullen Haw Show on Tuesday morning confirmed that anecdote, added a little detail, said he didn't even stretch. He got out of his truck after rolling up in his truck, ran some patterns, got back in his truck and had his coffee and a cigar, and he drove away. Terrific. So, yeah, he's um, he's been a lot of fun to work with, and he had a lot of fun on New Year's Eve, and the Bears certainly enjoyed their 37-17 victory over the Falcons. Okay, you can get this on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on 670 Scores YouTube page. We will drop another episode Friday because we're going to do uh, Friday late morning, uh, early afternoon this week. A couple changes in plans, and you can catch us before Sunday's finale against the Packers at Lambeau Field. Try to keep the Packers out of the playoffs. That game starts at 325. So for Adam Sadzinski and Dan Wiederer, I'm David Hall. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.